You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 36 of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs, and the only podcast of its kind in the entire history of the world. I'd like to give a shout out today to J Hill Marketing and Creative Services and our parent company, Sick Biz Incorporated, for allowing us to continue with our mission and making the path to entrepreneurship for chronically ill and disabled business owners a smoother one. Thanks for your support. Today's guest, Chris Hickey, is no stranger to the mental war games that can plague any person. And he is here today to teach us about healing through music. Now, when I talked to him earlier, we talked about metal music. So I was intensely interested because as a youngster, and I'm not going to tell you how many years ago that was, I did listen to metal music when I was busy trying to be a metal poser. But something funny happened. I actually did become a metal aficionado to some degree, and I also married a person like that. Chris Hickey is a person who explores his own feelings and thoughts through art and through music, and he has a formal education in music as well. It's important to have him on because as chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs, we have a little bit more on our emotional plate than other entrepreneurs. And what we talk about here a lot pertains to every kind of entrepreneur that's true. Today, we want to take a moment to acknowledge what can be the true hardships in a chronically ill and or disabled entrepreneur's life and how music can help us to bust through some of these challenges and come out on the other side feeling better, feeling more clarity, and feeling more motivated to keep going and growing. Without further ado, please welcome my friend, Chris Hickey. Chris Hickey is in the digital studio today. Welcome to Sick Biz Buzz. Hi, it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited because we talk a lot online, don't we? A little bit. I feel we like do. I'm mostly just making one-liners and disappearing, but yes. <laughs> I know, but you know, I need that comedic relief. I really do. I'm like <laughs> I'm like hungry for it. So it absolutely it absolutely works and um, I'm trying to remember what precipitated having you come on. And I think that we were engaged in a discussion about healing through music. And there was something that you said that struck me as, and I know that this is a while ago, but it, what it struck me was that metal music can be healing. Now we're going to talk about all kinds of music today, but that is what struck me because I had never thought thought about it from that perspective when we when we think of healing through music sometimes we think of like soothing or there's an app on your phone you can get called calm which is all kind of acoustic and but so when you talked about healing through metal I was like oh man this has got to happen uh yes yeah, I think what brought this on was I actually gave a short uh, extra credit lecture for this in my health class in college, mm -hmm. I think a year and a half ago. Yeah. Okay. 
And so you've researched this. Um, a little bit. A lot of it's kind of personal experience and anecdotes just from being involved in Southern California's music community for quite a few years. But there is definitely enough scientific evidence to suggest that music in general is a really strong stress relief for reasons that seem vaguely undefined. (laughs) Okay, okay. So let's get, before we dive into that, let's get your elevator speech. Let's get to your, I was here and now I'm here today kind of speech so people can get to know you. Um, well, most of my life has, or at least I guess what you could call my professional life has been involved in music in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came home from, I think, eighth grade one day and my parents just put a, had put a guitar on my bed, oh. just kind of out of the blue. That's nice, though. That's fantastic. My parents put other stuff on my bed, like laundry to fold and put away and, you know, but neither here nor there. (laughs) Yeah, I got some of that, too. The guitar was just kind of a surprise. But so. Did you feel like when they put the guitar on there, were you like, oh, this is great. They're kind of reading my mind and I want to I want to go with it. Or were you like, hi, I've never really thought about that. Honestly, it was cool, but it was kind of weird because at the time I had gone from pretty much only knowing the music my parents listened to, which was like Green Day, Aerosmith, Queen, and Def Leppard. And that was pretty much it that I can recall vividly Mm -hmm. to having like three bands I listened to through like eighth and ninth grade. And in that period was when I got the guitar. Mm-hmm. So I'm really confused as to how, oh, my God, I love these three bands. Into, oh, well, you should learn an instrument. But <laughs> it happened. And then I went to music college and things just kind of went from there. So as you were going through this process, let's talk to, let's talk about those angsty teenage years. Did you have those years where you struggled somewhat emotionally did you lose yourself in music or how did you first stumble on the healing powers of music um i think a lot of that had to do with the just the general fun of going through puberty and having your body change in ways you're not used to and at least for me i went from being a uh, homeschooled to being thrown into a public school towards the second half of eighth grade. So I had to get used to being around people, which was oh. kind of uncomfortable. Oh, hell no. No. I went from a Catholic school that had um, like a classroom size of about, I don't even know, like 14 kids in a class or something, less than 20. And then um, we got super poor. And so then in the middle of the year, I was pulled out of the Catholic school and sent to a public school junior high. And my dad took me there. And on the first day, we're like walking the halls and kind of checking stuff out. And we heard somebody say, hey, tampon head. And that was my first exposure to public school. (laughs) Oh, that's that's terrible. I know. And I wanted to die because it was my dad. It was like, oh, I don't think he knows what those are. So, I, 
so that's a tough that's a tough time when you're making that transition, especially going from homeschool into a public school, the socialization aspect alone. Yeah, I I'm honestly pretty sure I never really learned to cope with that part. I just kind of found like the two or three people that put up with me and that was that for the year. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. I never really fit into any one click. I just kind of floated around and tried to be a chameleon. Like, oh, I guess I'm this now. Oh, I guess I'm that now. Okay, that makes sense. But so you you started turning to music. Did you kind of lose yourself in music during this time? And what type of music were you listening to? Uh, the first band I got into was Linkin Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, I take that back. Because this actually sets up like pretty much, I think, started my entire life philosophy was uh like my first week in uh an actual school we had a field trip downtown for i honestly couldn't tell you why at this point i think it was like anti-bullying or something Mm -hmm. but they had like as an opening event we were in like this auditorium and the first thing we were exposed to was like this hometown metal band playing just like a set for us for like 20 minutes. Amazing. I I don't know what it had to do with anything, but (laughs) like, I I really don't know what, what the purpose of that outing was, but like thinking back on it, so much of it makes sense as to like starting from there to where I wound up because uh, the singer was a woman and most of my favorite bands at this point, the singers are women, if they have singers at all. But that's another conversation. Um, the guitar and bass both had extra strings, which most of the metal I listen to has more than the usual six or four strings for guitar and bass, respectively. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it was metal. And most of what they were singing about was science, which I thought was awesome. Wow. And see, and I have not had that exposure yet. So you and I were kind of on similar paths or just kind of like bouncing around and trying to fit in and stuff. And I, um, at one point, was listening to kind of like uh, some screamo metal. I snuck out of the house in a pleather skirt and fishnets and combat boots and white, white skin and red, red lips and like a leather, like, taxi hat (laughs) that sounds awesome it was amazing and then i had some old concert shirt on that i had no idea what it even meant because i borrowed it from my friend because she was way cooler than me but something about it thrumming into your soul or speaking to you or exposing different ideas and realities of how you could live versus how you were living that's how it appealed to me. And it was like slipping into a different universe. Is that what it felt like for you? Oh, it so was. Like my, f- okay, no, second concert. My first concert uh, was pretty typical stadium thing. But like most of my concert experiences are just like that. <laughs> I love it. So let's let's move forward. Let's fast forward a little bit. So you're going to college and you decide to 
give that you decide to write this report on how music can help to heal emotions or help people to work through emotions. What did you learn from that research? Um, it's honestly, at that point, it wasn't the first time I delved into the subject. Like, this was actually at the second school I went to. Mm -hmm. um, I did actually go to an entirely music school, like right out of high school. I just prefer not to talk about that too much because they were kind of the uh, private school scam thing. I don't want to give them attention. But they had a class on the psychology of music that wasn't as in-depth as I'd hoped. But it was a lot of like how like a store like JCPenney will play music that appeals to their target like suburban mom demographic to make them happier and then they'll spend money and stuff like that and there was some stuff about like just music you like tends to release endorphins a lot yeah. of the studies focus on more on like jazz or classical or you know music most people might listen to if they're feeling adventurous <coughs> sorry yeah i think i think it's important though because um those are seen as adventurous choices, which is interesting because they are some of the deepest rooted musical genres that are out there. And they, and they contribute to all of the modern, even, in, even the modern techno babble and whatever we listen to. And, you know, it's interesting because I am that mom. And now I never got the minivan. I never, I was like, I will die before I get a minivan. I did not, but I had like, I had the SUV and I had the Cheerios on the floor and all of that stuff. And it's interesting because you can start noticing from a marketing perspective when your generation is the one that is spending the most money because the music changes to suit the demographic that has the money and they move you into a nostalgic mood so that you loosen up your wallet. But I think it really does alleviate stress and maybe it returns you to a simpler time. Maybe it's reminding you and it's kind of helping you walk down memory lane to when you didn't have a mortgage or you didn't have pediatrician bills or vet bills or unemployment to worry about or whatever. Or in, in the case of many of our audience members, disabilities or chronic illness or even short term illness to contend with. So you can kind of be transported. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Like if I'm like more sad than anything, I'll definitely revert back to my high school Lincoln Park Godsmack type stuff that I wouldn't say was a better time necessarily. Mm -hmm. But Lincoln Park especially is easier for me to lose myself into because, um, are you familiar with that group at all? I like, am because my son was into it. My oldest son now, he's 24. And, um, ironically, he is, uh, a bass player in a band. And he also does some of the background singing. And then he, he is hoping to branch out and do more of it. And he's actually quite good. But, um, so that was his group was Lincoln Park for the longest time. 
But it's really interesting because I just, I literally today, and this is the universe talking, it's crazy. Of course, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's freeze something, but it is that there is a particular phrase that is used to talk about the generation gaps. So what typically happens and, and why older generations tend to pull back from listening to more modern music. Like there is a cutoff line in the generation where it's an, an actual phenomenon where people, their kids get older and then they just kind of duck out and go back into their own music. So it's like there's a cutoff point. And it was just really fascinating that they were able to identify a generational point that it's not just, you know, popular theory or whatever that older people like their types of music. It's how people grow up and develop. And it and I think in talking to you, especially, it has a lot to do with nostalgia. Oh <clears throat> sorry. I'm I'm sure that's got a lot to do with it. Um I personally try to resist falling into that trap like and I it might be a me thing just kind of seeing how my generation's been dumped on the last 10 years in particular but like I still go to like YouTube or sites like Bandcamp and try to find these unknown artists that are still making new things because I don't want to get stuck in the trap of this is the best it's ever going to be it's mm -hmm. like even if, you know, Linkin Park or Lamb of God or Children of Bodom or any of these bands that I absolutely obsessed over for years <laughs> are things that I end up returning to, I don't want to forget that there's still people doing this stuff and it's all still progressing because, I don't know, I just, I don't want to be stuck in, in one, like, time period like that, even if that's just where I'm comfortable well, we're going to have to check back with you in like 30 years and we'll be like, so are you still listening to this kind of music or you're listening to the new racket that's out now these days? Just, you know, see where you are. Take a take a temperature. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, the the total trick for me is to not find stuff from the United States. You know, that is fascinating. And there's so many different facets to this, to this conversation, too. The, the one thing I want to bring up, too, is I think music is a great focal point. So, for instance, when I was pregnant with my daughter and my sister-in-law at the time gave me some classical music to listen to uh, while I would be in labor, and uh, my labor was so fast that there's, I would be like, we, we're going to have to fast forward this. And then I could have used it. But, um, but it's supposed to be a focal point that can move you out of your current condition and then allow you to move into a different reality. And the other thing is that, and we had um, Todd Holland on last week who is certified in Transcendental meditation and he talked about using music for the exact same reason that transcendental meditation is almost like stream of consciousness and just allowing it to move in and out and i did not know that you could use music to help you in this capacity so that was just really fascinating and i, I just don't think we've done enough research on 
the power of music. Oh, I would totally agree. Everything I've read on the subject of just how music affects the way we think is it's like there's a lot of, you know, we know what releases endorphins, it calms us down, it makes us happy for people with, uh, I think it was Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. If they listen to music they're familiar to, it can actually like almost stop the shaking. Oh, amazing. And Alzheimer's, because I saw this video. That might be the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Did you see the video where they all had the headphones on and it had music from their day and it really took them out of what they were, of their bodily experience? And it, it almost took them back in time where they were forgetting about aches and pains and uh, you know, all of these physical symptoms that were going on. It was an amazing thing. And their faces were lighting up as they enjoyed the music and remembered these times. And it's interesting because music, I think, if we use it, I think it, there's a purpose for it. It's almost like um, when we think about music, why was it invented? For joy for expression. I mean, even people who are like angsty teenagers, like we talked about, when you're angry and you're a teenager, that thrumming beat that rattles your bones, that has got to do something to get you to, it's almost validating in a way. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely something to having a very vocal audible manifestation of whatever's going on inside your head being expressed by somebody else, especially when you're at that younger age where I think you don't necessarily know how to express yourself or if you do, it doesn't come out in the best ways. Exactly. And if you look at the different cliques in high school, they listen to different music too which is fascinating if we think about it. So music is almost like a, well, we obviously have genres, but it also indicates socially what, from a stereotypical standpoint, because I hate to be stereotypical, because I listen to everything. The one thing that I, and I did listen to Screamo, you know, metal back in the day, and now it, now I'm like, oh my God, this is so jarring. I can't, it's too, it's too like uh, stimulating. So I need to, pedal it down, you know, a little bit and just be in a groove with it. So what would you say to a person who is struggling with some mental health barriers? Let's talk about, um, let's just do like a, a scenario. We've got a, an entrepreneur who is struggling with some depression, for example, some depression and uh, some self-confidence issues from what you've learned about healing through music, what would you recommend? Um, I think it might depend on where that person wants to go mm-hmm. because uh, my philosophy uh, when it comes to uh, using music in a healing fashion is I generally try to take whatever I'm feeling and just crank it up to 11, so to speak. Sure, yeah. Like I've, and this is something I said in my little presentation, I'm not 
a huge fan of this like new agey idea that we need to be always happy and smiling and positive and not let bad things affect us because we get sad and angry and scared for a reason. It's like those aren't just there to ruin our days and make us miserable. Like they happen for a reason. So instead of burying them, just, you know, find something that resonates with that and just let it pass. Well, I think that's a really beautiful sentiment. Uh, like, because th- like this is the Facebook plastic age where everybody's just trying to like gloss over things and 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 have them, you know, the perception of them is always that they're rosy and they don't have any problems and whatever. And, you know, I actually had a conversation with Courtney Blair of Zippy Content. And by the way, I'm going to give her a little shout out. If you would like to be placed on any podcast, I use Courtney. She's amazing. Um, But Courtney and I are trying to be, we're very close. We're very close friends. And we're trying to be very real about talking about our emotions. And it's, it's really damaging to not acknowledge those, what we can deem to be negative emotions, but they're not really negative. I think like you're talking about they're helpful and they're teaching emotions. They might not be the happiest emotions, but there is a reason for them. Um, some people have a really hard time with that and they get very upset if they, you know, if they get off track or why am I having tough days or whatever. And one of the things that Courtney and I talked about was almost sitting back and observing like a third party that emotion enter the room and just acknowledging it. Okay, sadness is here. Great. I'm going to go on with my day. And I know that sadness is here. And whatever that happens to mean to my mental state is what it means. And and we'll move through it. And we almost um, welcome the teachings of what it's bringing us. Yeah, I would, I think I'd agree with that. Is that how you tend to handle your emotions as well? How do you, when, when this comes up for you, because it sounds like you're not pushing them away, you're welcoming them and saying, what can I learn from this? Um, I don't know that I approach it as a learning experience so much as, all right, you're here and I don't want you. So let's just burn you out of my system. And like, that, I mean, it, that's one way to handle it, too, because there's no right way to handle this. And I think that's one of the things that's frustrating for people about therapy is that we all have to subscribe to a certain therapeutic dogma. We have to do this. Well, if it doesn't resonate with you, you know, authentically, you're going to struggle with it. So you can feel those things. You can feel resentful. When anger comes up, you can not want to deal with it and burn it out of your system. You can acknowledge it if that's what you need to do. But the point is to process it, somehow acknowledge it and process it in a way that makes sense so you can still be productive. Yeah, I mean, when I was, well, not living where I'm living now because uh, it's not someplace I'm really comfortable going out at night, but I'd usually go for like, two, three, four hour walks listening to whatever music was resonating with what was inside of my head. And that usually did the trick. Yeah. And you know, you know what else was great about back in the day? Videos. Oh, how many videos have you seen in your lifetime? 
like music videos? Yeah. Okay, so that uh, playlist I sent you. Yes. Um. Uh. There's 21 songs in there for different things. Uh, songs nine through 13 are explicitly for the videos, like more so than the music. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And. and it- uh, sorry, it's kind of a. I was. I wanted to explain these a little bit because, like, it's just the way these musicians are to me like what do you mean like uh one of the songs is called um hair trigger and it's by this canadian band called protest the hero it's like they're not really an angry band they're just like like to me they're kind of the one of these like just their music like they're very talented on their instruments but their lyrics don't tend to mean anything i don't think could just be me but their videos are always hilarious. Oh, <laughs> see, I love that. And I love seeing where people go with that musical message. And so I think what we're going to do for your post, because we always make sure with each of these podcasts that we follow this up with a with a blog post on Sick Biz, um, I think what we're going to do is identify some of those primary emotions, be anger, sadness, uh, frustration, and things of that nature. Um, and, and we'll have a track that is kind of scientifically linked to helping you work through some of those feelings to give you a place to start and help to, you know, move you through some of these tougher emotions. And we are actually rounding the end of the show. This goes so quickly. I can't even tell you. It goes so quickly. But I have one more question for you, Chris. Okay. What's the one thing people don't know about you? Um, well, I don't know if it counts since I technically did a little post on it last night because I was bored, but I don't think anyone saw it. Um, I actually find one of the most uh, like creatively motivating times of music when I'm like writing to be dance music. Wonderful. So like when you say dance music, what kind of dance music? Are you talking like ABBA? What? <laughs> um, okay, so most of it comes from uh, this video game I've never played or seen footage of called Killer Instinct. Okay. But the composer who did all the music just like he just does music for video games and he's stupidly talented. And... Like, he goes from metal to pop to hip-hop to electronic music. Like, it's all over the board, and it all really sounds like it belongs in its genre. But, like, the like the themes he does for the characters when they're, like, these upbeat dance things, they just they feel like they embody that character's personality, and I'm not even sure what these characters look like all the time. So do you think of them in your mind? Like, you create that image? Oh, they are they are like 100% the inspiration for some of the stuff I'm working on right now. <laughs> That's fantastic. And you are an illustrator. Trying to be, yes. And I how, would like to Sorry, what? Oh, well, how does that go with music? Do you always have music on when you're drawing? Oh, constantly. I have um uh actually the person who influenced me to even take this on is 
was a guy named Monty Um. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't discover who he was until about two weeks after he passed away from a surgical complication. Oh. Yeah, it's it was that was a pretty rough revelation. But uh, and he was a 3D animator. Like his art was making things move, and like his big thing was everything I do, I do it to music, and not just. I find a song I like and I animate to it. It's like he would, um, it's like he would do these fight scenes for this show he wrote called Ruby R W B Y. And so, and then, you know, it would be set to whatever song he had available. And then he'd send a rough animation off to the musician they'd hired to do the music. And he would write an entire song just for that fight scene. And he said, when he's, yeah, and like I've spent more hours than I should probably admit analyzing his animations to see how he does it, and it's all in beat or it's all in tempo. It's like all of the punches, the kicks, the ducks, the you know the spins. Everything is to the beat of the music. Like it's all in there perfectly. And now, whenever I'm writing or drawing or whatever I'm doing, I see it in my head. Like, like. One of the songs I use that defines uh, one of my favorite characters, who's kind of a boxer, is called "Touch Me and I'll Break Your Face." It's <laughs> it, it's it's this poppy dance tune being sung by a woman who very clearly is not having some guy's attitude that evening, and I just it just colored my entire perception of this person I'd been trying to put onto paper for a year, and now just here we are. <laughs> That is amazing. And we're going to make sure that we provide a link to this person's art so that we can share in some of what you're experiencing for our listeners today. So, Chris, thank you so much for being on the Sick Biz Buzz. It was a pleasure having you on. And I think we've just only scratched the surface of healing with music. Yeah, thank you. You bet. Healing through music and music as therapy is not a strange recommendation or manner in which to recover from some of our deeper emotions that can bring us down to a darker level or even to a level where we just don't know how to rise back up through it. Chris Hickey today let us know that he's actually healing through music. He's put these words into action and sharing those with you. We know that this was a very helpful and prescriptive episode for you. And if you have considered healing through music, we really encourage you to listen to his words and follow right along. Just like they used to say, follow that bouncing ball and see what you can do to help yourself heal through music as well. If you'd like to get in touch with Chris, you can find him on Twitter at sentient. Hickey. That's S-E-N-T-I-E-N-T-H-I-C-K-E. Sentient Hickey on Twitter. Did you like what you heard? Please listen, subscribe, share, and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz. Also, check out sickbiz.com. We're sharing the content of 20-plus guest bloggers, a lot of entrepreneurs who are just like you, who are expounding on the life hacks that they are using to get ahead in their entrepreneurship and life. 
We are also sharing the advice of life and business coaches to make your life a little easier, touching on topics like finances to organization to scheduling and more. If you need help in these areas, please check out our website again at sickbiz.com. Finally, to get our resources right to the palm of your hand, text SICKBIZ to 36260 and avail yourself of the many opportunities within our bustling little organization. You can listen to the podcast, you can read the blog posts, and keep up to date on the ever-changing and improving resources that we are continually working on to bring you the best service we possibly can to help you move through pain and purpose into profit. If you would like to get in touch with Chris, again, find him at Sentient Hickey on Twitter. That's it for today's show. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.